Here comes a new challenger. From 8-bit to 35mm, game pads to the silver screen, your favorite video game characters are on a quest to become movie icons. Can they unlock the achievement? Let's go for broke! It's time to press X to reload. So, as I crashed into the cold, dark water of the Pacific, I realized a few things. A, I have no idea where I'm going. B, saltwater stings. C, I shouldn't even be on this planet right now, but I am. Why? Because you shot me. I know. You shot me! All right, I heard you the first time. You don't have to pile it on, good grief. I'm wet, I'm cold, there's a fish on my head, and clearly I'm not gonna be able to do this on my own. All right, get in the truck. Really? You're gonna help me? I guess it is a little bit my fault that all this is happening to you. Not a little bit, entirely. It is entirely your okay, fault. It's entirely my fault. Are you coming? Yes. Road trip! Whoop whoop! What am I doing? Hey everybody, welcome back to Press X to Reload, the race to find all of the best video game adaptations to film where we race across grabbing all the good ones like little rings and hoping we'll get knocked down by really terrible ones and lose all those rings dodging all those assassin's creeds and grabbing all those double dragons you know the good films i am nick moore <laughs> <laughs> joining with me are wayne Brissett and mark athanas gentlemen wayne good day everyone mark way to start the podcast with a lie let's go <laughs> <laughs> And today we are looking at Sonic the Hedgehog, very recent video game film, probably one of the most recent ones. I don't think there's been a major one since. This is 2020. It is a, yeah. well, 2019, 2020? 2019. I think it's 2019. I feel like this came out before the world came to an end. Yeah, had to. But either Just. way, adaptation of the, the Blue Hedgehog and it's, more or less accurate he runs really fast he fights robotnik he collects rings and eats chili dogs i mean what else do you really need we'll start with mark what were your thoughts you know what i more or less enjoyed it like i, I i'm not gonna say it didn't have the same heart as like a detective pikachu it wasn't maybe as endearing as that was but um you know i kind of threw me back to my childhood a little bit you know, both in ter terms of the, the, the style of movie, the way it's made, because, you know, we, we've taken a look at some classics and also just in terms of like, I remember spending hours playing Sonic and um, it had enough. And again, I played like the first Sonic. So don't ask me about any sequels or anything like that. It had enough to, to again, remind me that, OK, this has got that feel to it that it reminds me of. And um, once I put my my kid's hat on, I, I kind of enjoyed it. Wait, you know, the <laughs> This one's interesting because I actually think this is probably the best video game movie to date. And I don't mean because of its accuracy of the source material, just as a movie in general. If I saw this at 12 years old, I would be a Sega fan, not a Nintendo fan today. Mm, like, I just yeah. think it's a solid film. It's family friendly. It's 
entertaining. It moves at a good pace. Jim Carrey's stellar in it without being <laughs> over the top. I liked everything about it. The one thing that drives me nuts, though, is movies like Sonic and, and Mario, actually a lot of video game movies, I don't know why they refuse to just let the movie be in their universe. Why does it yeah. always have to come <laughs> to Earth? And why does it always get have to, into that? Why does it always have to be on Earth? Like when the movie opened, okay, I don't want to get ahead of myself here. Yeah, I think it's one of the better video video game movies as a movie. And again, not because of its source material, just it's actually done really well. I agree with you, Wayne. I really enjoy the film. I think it's a great example of try and just keep the spirit of the character intact and tell a decent story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not a terribly complicated story, though there are parts of it that are way more complicated than they need mm-hmm. to be. Some of the subplots that are thrown in there, but we'll we'll get into those things. But the the basic premise of Sonic is essentially lonely and looking for a family. It's it's a buddy comedy. It's a find your place in the world kind of film. And you've got the evil Robotnik chasing him throughout for reasons that kind of change as it goes along. But main reason being he's insane and he's evil. (laughs) This film has two things that both work and don't work for me at the beginning. It wins me over immediately because they, they do that thing where they use the logo for the mm-hmm. the company yeah. that's making it, mm-hmm. and they incorporate their particular film into it. You have the Paramount pictures opening, and instead of the Paramount stars showing up over the mountain, it's the Sonic Rings. I love when they mm-hmm. incorporate that stuff. I'm a sucker for it. And then it does that flash-forward narrative that irritates me in just about every movie that I've ever seen. Mm. But I, you skip the, the Sega logo, which oh, is like... Yeah. Yes! Like, <laughs> and... The, I th- the Marvel think, yeah, basically. I think this a direct is the first major, yeah, yeah I, absolutely, they're stealing from Marvel. The idea of showing all these different video games in the background, going, hey, here's all the games we made, and as you zoom out, all those screens form the word Sega. That's really cool, though. I don't care if they're going to steal <laughs> it from them, because I'm sure before Marvel did it, someone else did it. I'm sure. sure there's several different ones that go back and show the... I mean, you could buy those puzzles as a kid, the mosaic that's a bunch of yeah. pictures comprising that picture. The... What was it? The Truman Show. The poster for that mm-hmm. with Jim Carrey. Well, yeah. another Jim Carrey film. Maybe he mm-hmm. told them the idea yeah. for this. But the <laughs> yeah. Truman Show poster was a bunch of stills from the film all yeah. miniaturized so that it creates a picture of Jim Carrey smiling. So I, mm-hmm. whatever, other people have done it. I liked it. But it is kind of cool to see all of those different video game properties of Sega and go, I wonder how many of these would work as a film. I hope they make them so we can talk about them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, one that I haven't seen as a film, but there is an anime for it, and I'm excited to see it. Valkyria Pro, uh, was it Valkyria Chronicle or Valkyria Profile? Yeah, Chronicles. Thank you. I can never remember the name, I just don't remember it's Valkyria. Really cool strategic action RPG thing. It has a 26 episode anime. That's something. (laughs) But either way, kind of a cool opening logo. And then, as I said, they get to Robotnik is already chasing Sonic through San Francisco, through the streets at super speeds causing God knows how much collateral damage and death, but we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. And they do a freeze frame and Sonic is giving mm-hmm. you a narration of, oh, how did I get in this wacky predicament? It's probably the only part in the film that I really, really get irritated by because it's such a mm-hmm. lazy 
storytelling trope to go, we don't trust the audience to stay with us as we start to tell our story. So don't worry, audience. We'll get to exciting explosions later. See, here they are now. We promise. Sit through it for an hour. Yeah. I despise it in films. I really, really do. I can only think of a few examples that make it work well, and it's usually when they're subverting it in some way. Uh, Like Mission Impossible Mm -hmm. 3 has a really good one. Uh, But most of them just drive me nuts. This one's no exception. Mm -hmm. But then they do exactly what you suggest, Wayne. They they go back to show Sonic on his own world. Which looks amazing. It looks amazing. It looks incredible. It looks amazing. (laughs) It looks right out of the video games. Like it is. I swear to God, he's running a level from the game. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Like I want to see a whole movie in In that that world. So do I. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) And it I mean, just it helps stunning. that because it's a flashback, you have baby Sonic leaping in the air, grabbing rings and running around and eh, mm-hmm. baby characters are always cute. <laughs> and then you have that. I don't know the the background of Sonic. I know there's about no, 5,000 no comic book issues and like five different cartoon series and various levels of seriousness. But I guess he's raised by an owl. Sure. I guess. <laughs> like I said, I've played the video game, the original, the OG, and uh, I don't remember there being that much story. So <laughs> I guess he's raised by an owl. I have no idea. I guess. And he gets shunted out of that world because the owl's worried that the other tribes, which from what little I know about Sonic, the tribe of creatures that come looking for him look like the character Knuckles, but wearing masks. So I guess Knuckles mm. is from like an yeah. evil tribe, I guess. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Possibly. Never really Not entirely put it, sure. Put it together, yeah. But either way, the owl sends him off to Earth to protect him and as far as I'm concerned to protect Paramount's budget. That is the only reason I can think of mm-hmm. that they have all these films take place on Earth. They don't have to render a CG environment. That's my theory. It's just funny because one of her last words is that, you know, she she basically seen Earth and thought it was a safe enough place for him to go. But she also has a ring for the mushroom place, which there's nobody. What did she see about Earth that possibly made her think he would be safe here? The Donut Lord. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. That's that's kind of one of the things that uh, in the beginning I was like, oh, wait a minute. Like, there's an option for a survivable planet where zero threat. Like, if the goal is to remove threat, why would you put him to Earth? a planet like Earth? Like, if you... <laughs> As an outside observer, as a as a human being living on Earth, I cannot imagine an outside observer monitoring Earth for any period of time and considering it safe. It's like literally yeah. a carnivorous planet. I'm not even talking about people <laughs> killing people. I'm talking about every creature here, like eats another creature, devours, like everything. Whether it's a living plant, maybe or she <laughs> knew something we didn't. Maybe those mushrooms come alive life. and eat people. I guess so. Maybe. But that seems like really important information because he was going to go there next. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I've won you both over because now you think this hard about these films. It used to be so (laughs) the story could happen. Now you want to know. You're welcome. (laughs) Welcome to the world building. Yeah. Right. We've come that far. Yeah. (laughs) Either way, contrivances to bring Sonic to Earth. And that's fine. If they're going to do a Masters of the Universe style, we're going to have the character as a fish out of water on Earth. Like I said, I figured it'd be to save money, but by the end of the film, there's a whole lot of explosions and teleportation that feel like they cost a lot of money. So maybe I'm wrong. I I don't know. But then you have 
it's kind of almost sad. I mean, it eventually becomes sad, but even leading into it, you see Sonic in his little solitary life in the woods and his little, I don't know, 50 foot cave underneath a tree that he lives in with all these yeah. things that I pretty assume he's stolen. Sweet cave. And I had a lot of questions about how he got in there, but pretty sweet. Oh, cave. He stole he's a klepto. He's a hundred percent a klepto. Oh, not where he got it from, but he's how a lovable he got klepto it in there. Like he fits through <laughs> a, a hole that he's, turns into a ball to squeeze through. That's how he gets in. They didn't show but me any a other bag couch down there. There's a lot of things down there. And I was like, I don't know. You got that down there, but I'm sure there's another way in. Maybe, maybe not. I well, don't know. One theory I have, the rings, the moving uses, elevator, the rings are supposed to allow you the ability to teleport. You throw a ring mm-hmm. in the air and it doctor strange as a portal. You just think of where you want to go. Do they disappear after you use them? It doesn't look like they do. Uh, if that's well, the case, and that's first, how he gets all the stuff in the, the cave. first one did. Okay, so maybe they do. So if he had enough rings, maybe he's just teleporting stuff down there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if that bag replenishes rings if it's magic, but like the first, the the only portal they ever really focus on is the first one, and he can't go back through it because it dissipates. So but is it he can't go back through it because she threw it, so it actually went back to her? I don't know. It's the only one they showed me. Those are the rules. It disappears. Guess what? And we're never going to know. We're, <laughs> we're never, never going to know. know. They don't tell you. So you'll never know. <laughs> well, either way. <laughs> so he's got his little home down there. And at first, you know, to the, the credit of the voice actor and the character, and Sonic has a fair amount of personality in this. Mm-hmm. He looks like he's having fun, but he's literally moving so fast that he can be in two places at once in the room so that he can essentially play tennis against himself and jump rope with himself. And even though he's having fun, you look at it and go, well, that's kind of a sad existence. And it very quickly dwells on that. And he says that he's just really lonely. And that sets up really quickly and really efficiently the crux of the film. He just wants to belong somewhere. Mm-hmm. Right? Like he's been thrust into Earth and he wants to belong, whether that's belonging in a place like Green Hills or belonging in a family, which is James Marsden and his wife, who he's been spying, creeping on, hanging out behind them while they're watching television. Kind of stalkerish, but again, because he's a cute little hedgehog, we we allow it. <laughs> I don't know if that's yeah. kinda. I think that's all the way stalkerish, but it's still good. Kids show. Yeah. <laughs> well, either way. And then after you have that opening with him, you move on to James Marsden, who I... He was great in this. After this film, I don't think he gets enough credit for the comedic range that he has. Because I don't know Agreed. too much that he's done other than some rom-coms and X-Men. And X-Men didn't let him do anything. He just gets to be the uptight dick so Wolverine can look cool. Yeah. But he's legitimately funny in this. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, like I, I think he... So speaking of James Marsden as, as a whole, anything he turns up in, I generally enjoy him in. His comedic timing in this was great. I actually weirdly found him funnier than Jim Carrey. And maybe it's just because I've seen like Jim Carrey be Jim Carrey so much. So it's, it wasn't as like sure. shocking. Um, I still love Jim Carrey in it. It just wasn't as um, – I wasn't shocked by anything. Whereas I was pleasantly surprised by how like funny James Marsden was. Like, you know – taunting him like oh you want another one i punched him i knocked him out earlier like just those little like digs like (laughs) they were just awesome you know so i I was really getting a kick out of uh again the humor of it because again when you were talking about that one thing about it why they kind of like do that subvert not not of subversion but that little thing in the beginning 
Um, I think it's because it's not aimed at us. It's aimed at kids. And I sure. think I think it, it, it latches on to that shorter extent, uh, attention span. And they're like, oh, my God, explosions. And now they're in it. Like, personally, I almost forgot about that opening scene when it when the movie catches up to it. It's like, oh, yeah, here. here I, I did, too. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> oh, that's right. right. He was getting oh, exploded yeah, yeah, yeah. at. And it's because I was genuinely enjoying the ride. You know, I wasn't like eagerly right. looking forward to it. I was genuinely enjoying. It. Yeah, when's that part coming? Yeah, right. But I feel like that's a good example of why they don't really need that scene. Mm-hmm. Right? Agreed. If mm-hmm. you can watch the film and you're getting sucked into James Marsden's kind of fun as this small town cop who, again, wants to be a part of something bigger. He wants to belong, and he feels like he wants to, he wants to matter more, and that's why he wants to go to the big city instead of where he is. Sonic wants to matter more. He wants to have a family that cares about him and not just himself. The heroes in it want to feel like they have a purpose and want to matter to someone or something. Mm-hmm. So they they really relate well. And I don't think that gets boring at any point. It's why no. that opening mm-hmm. to me is just Agreed. unnecessary. Yeah, but I agree. As you say, maybe they're for the kids. Yeah, not for us. But Marsden accomplishes two things that to me are very impressive. One, he holds his own against Jim Carrey when Jim Carrey is jim carrying all over the room yeah that's what i mean especially their first confrontation yeah and james marston is able to effectively and believably kind of interact with let's face it a non-existent character a cg character Mm -hmm. to a degree that's on par with bob hoskins at a few frame roger rabbit right like Mm -hmm. he's on that same level where i'm not thinking about the cg character in the room i'm going no he's interacting with sonic yeah that's tough to do I was genuinely, I didn't look it up, but I'm genuinely, like, I wonder what they did to film those scenes. Like, did they put a reference, like a dummy, or, I'm just so curious. Well, they had that original ugly Sonic that they fired, right? That's who they had originally. But I did wonder about that. (laughs) No, but, like, honestly, I did wonder about that, because it's not, it doesn't happen often. There's only maybe, like, one or two scenes where it's very clearly obvious to me they're acting to, like, the the eye lines are wrong. It's like, oh, okay, sure, sure. His eye line isn't quite right. And the Sonic model was different. And I do wonder yes. if something got lost in translation when they when they reworked the digital model. And I and because the rest of it, I, yeah. it's almost unnoticeable. But there was like two scenes uh, where I was like, it looks like he's staring over Sonic's head while he's talking to me. And it, it's just okay. it's it just happened twice. And I was just like, huh. And maybe it's maybe it happened more. It's just the only two times I noticed it. And I was just wondering if like, oh, I wonder if in the behind the scenes, the model was just a little bit bigger when they went and digitally cleaned it up, if it shrank the model just enough or it's not a line. Like I had no idea. But right. uh, but I agree. He's acting. He's acting against no one. Like there's there's nobody. Yeah. There, you know. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. Oh, sure. So like you have that set up. And then, of course, by contrivance, Sonic ends up hiding inside James Marsden's house and he tranquilizes him because he thinks that he is a trash panda. And now because he's put him in jeopardy, he feels duty bound to protect him against the evil Robotnik. And that's when the film actually really kind of kicks up into its main plot of a road trip movie. It's what it mostly is, is a road trip between the two of them and them having a bond. One thing I really appreciated, they didn't have that stupid moment you see in films where these two are getting along and they're getting along and then they'll get split up for some reason. And one of them will hear the other say something out of context and go, Oh, that person doesn't really love me. And then they separate. Yeah. The closest they get to a real conflict between the two of them 
I could appreciate. Sonic finds out that James Marsden wants to leave Green Hills and he gets really upset with him over that because why would you leave this place? This place is great. This place is perfect. It's a home. And this ideological argument between them. That one at least I can buy into, right? He sees it. Yeah, because yeah, it's not a personal it's not a personal thing. He's exactly. actually defending the town. Yeah. Right. He's telling it's not just me you're leaving, it's the people you're leaving. Yeah. Right. And just yeah, the like, idea of how can you leave that? You have what I want. You have a family and people that care about you and a, a community that wants you to be there. That needs you. Yeah. How can you leave that? Yeah. Right. So it creates an argument where at least I can go, all right, I can see why Sonic would be pissy with him. Right. Yeah, like I, I, it's one of the most believable. Again, I don't know what what to call it, contrived tensions, but those movies seem to have like a bit of contrived tension yeah. in any kind of comedy, rom com. There's got it. They've got to bring it down for some reason. They've got to bring down some sort of conflict. That's the least contrived one I've ever seen. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. it's, it's funny to say rom com. I would make the case. This is about as close as it gets to being a rom-com, not between Marsden and his wife, because they're already established, between Marsden's Donut Lord and Sonic. Yeah, it's a (laughs) rom-com. She comments on it at the end. She's like, you two are so cute together. Yes. (laughs) They have their mute, the definition of meet cute when he accidentally tranks Sonic. There's a meet cute Mm -hmm. right there. Mm -hmm. They have their small squabbles. They bond over time. And by the end of it, they're practically soulmates. It's a romantic comedy. It's a bro romantic com. comedy. It's a bromantic comedy. It's a bromance. 100% Absolutely. A bromance. Yeah. And it's a pretty well done one. I enjoy it. They have a yeah. really yeah. good chemistry together. Yeah, it's like and the I'm other always guys. Curious. Well, I'm always yeah. curious in a case like that, how much of that chemistry is James Marsden kind of doing his best on set versus how much of that performance he already knows? Does he get to hear the voice over? Is the actor who's voicing Sonic there saying the lines in the room or is he yeah. hearing it like through an earpiece? Like, I don't know how they do that stuff, Yeah, but it was conveyed really well. Right. I do it, wonder, it seemed right? fairly natural, which is cool. Yeah. I do really wonder. Cause like, I feel like every single thing you just mentioned is something these movies have used, like yeah. hearing the dialogue after the fact or be having the guy on set or just like, you know, everything else, you know, even having like a, maybe it's just a, a body stand in where there's like, there's a dude, there's a guy standing there. You can keep the eye line. You know, maybe he's on his knees because it's a shorter character, but there's a dude there you can talk to and someone offsets reading the line. You know, I, I do wonder how they, how it is because it is a pretty seamless. I mean, if they weren't in the same room together, you got to go. Somebody's got to give the the Academy Award to that editor because he did a great job. Oh, sure. <laughs> now, Wayne, you mentioned earlier that this is maybe one of the best films in terms of the ones we've Mm. seen as a film on its own ignoring whether or not it's an adaptation yeah but in your opinion scaling this like one to ten sort of thing how well does this one adapt the elements of a video game directly into that story in your opinion well i mean it does have the elements of the game but not a lot of them it has the speed the action at the end and stuff like that i wouldn't i wouldn't think it adapts the elements too well again that's why I'm saying I don't think it adapts the source material or adapts the video game element of it well, but it's just a well put together film. Uh, again, it has video game moments, and Sonic's way too fast, but <laughs> um, <laughs> he is—he's—he's he's, he's beyond flash speed. I don't remember flash processing that being that sometimes. <laughs> flash processing wasn't that fast. Like, come on, <laughs> blast processing, nice. 
Yeah, like he is uh he he, he takes that X-Men Quicksilver scene to another level. Like yeah. the amount of things oh, he's sure. doing. Yeah. Like it's just <laughs> yeah. out of control. So I don't understand why he's ever in jeopardy. <laughs> like you yeah. can leave him on any planet you want. Nothing can get him. He's that fast. <laughs> well, it's funny. I was feeling the same way about it. And the only thing that was really making it work was they really kind of deal with it more in the sense of we're not going to have tension about will he be okay. We're just going to have comedy in the scenes because he doesn't really feel like he's any sort of danger. Whether it be the bar fight where you have, again, that slowing things down and covering mm-hmm. people in toilet paper and pulling wedgies on people. And it only works because it's a very exaggerated scene of like the Quicksilver prison escape out of Days of Future Past. Mm-hmm. But then near the end, when Robotnik gets a hold of one of his quills and uses it to power his own ship, now he's just as fast as him. And I feel like it actually helps the overall tension of it because Sonic has right. never really faced a threat up until that point in the entire movie. Mm-hmm. And now he actually has some level of danger thrown at him. Right. It makes that scene work Which is better, a cool scene. but it kills the tension and all the stuff before it. Right. Yeah, like I didn't but feel how much any tension. Do you need tension. in a kids' film there? Right? I, I didn't feel any tension prior to it. No, yeah. but and in even, that scene, you do feel it a little bit. The start of the Robotnik fight is zero tension because when it cuts the shot of every gun firing, he's standing there waiting for the bullets and the rockets. Like he's that fast, and he's already yep. thrown them over the building. And you're like, and I love it though <laughs> that at happening simultaneously is Robotnik is about to push the button. He's yeah. Like he knows as soon as He's I fire, I got to press this button. He's going to push that button. That's an awesome shot. Like I, I love, yes. I love how that all plays out. And the surprise on Sonic's face when he realizes, yeah. Oh, he is as fast as me now. Yeah. I kind yeah. of have to be worried. That's kind of cool. It's still, he still comes across a little too cocky when he's running through the city, trying to dodge Robotnik. Mm-hmm. And yeah. as I mentioned earlier, how many unexplained deaths happened in San Francisco that day? If they're both traveling at supersonic speed, yeah. how many people just With went, oh, flying. my car exploded. Why Why am I on fire now? Because they don't see what's happening. Yeah. It's pretty wild. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. tons. Well, it, 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 it kind of goes back to, <laughs> I mean, come on. The entire opening premise is Robotnik is such a genius they need him. But they know when they get him that he's crazy. They know this. Oh, yeah. It's, it's mentioned at the beginning. He's described as a psychological tire fire. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Amazing. Yet, they put him in charge. Like, he is, he has carte blanche to do whatever must be done, it seems. Oh, yeah. He is able to get charges of basically terrorism against one of the main characters and get that out into the world. And... You know, it kind of brings up a question near the end when Sonic is about to go home before, you know, Robotnik shows up because their proof that he's not a terrorist is about to go to a mushroom world. And he has the very real consequences of being labeled a terrorist. People in his life thought of him as a terrorist. (laughs) If it was a film for adults, a lot of that would fall apart. I give it a bit of leniency because it is made for kids. Yeah, it's just it's just funny. It's kid logic of, well, you know, the bad guy got beat up, so all the problems are solved. Yeah. But that, getting ahead of ourselves, that last showdown with Sonic versus Robotnik, where Sonic is almost dead, and then when 
the citizens of Green Hill Zone stand up for him and James Marsden says that he's my friend and he gets back up with the power of friendship so that he can go <laughs> yeah. all Thor Odinson and powered by blue lightning. He beats him legitimately the way you beat him in the games. Yeah. You, yeah, yeah, you gotta turn into a ball and slam into him. a ship over and over. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Loved it. That's the most accurate representation of a boss <laughs> fight I think I've ever seen. <laughs> I yeah. agree. It's up there with Tron. That's the only thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. like Wayne said, uh-huh. it has these moments that are really good video game homages. Outside of that, it's just a kid's film. It's not trying to be an exact adaptation because otherwise it wouldn't take place in Earth with a bunch of humans. Yeah. Unless it's, I guess, the later Sonic games that people kind of rag on. But that fight is pretty accurate. And even the mm-hmm. chase before that is a very Sonic fight. Run, run, yeah. run, dodge, 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 right? Yeah. So it has those elements. And it has the greatest cartoon in the entire movie, Jim Carrey. He is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's good he is in it. unreal. He's really good in it. Yeah. He has some good lines in this. Oh, he's hilarious <laughs> yeah, in it. He's he's really great in this. And even just like the what was like it, the, uh, the dan the the coffee is what made me latte. laugh. The latte. <laughs> the latte. Why would oh. I want a latte? I love the way you make them. Of course, I want a latte. <laughs> like I love he's talking to that them. one officer. Just the <laughs> no, no, no. You go ahead and pretend you know, and continue to be you, Sliss. Sliss. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's just such a dick. Yeah. You know the, and the, one of the best is the whole. You know what the worst thing about being the smartest person in the world is <laughs> everybody else is stupid. <laughs> and before the guy can finish saying everybody else is stupid, everybody else grabbing is stupid. him from the inside of his mouth and going yes. exactly, you got that one right. That what the hell that made me laugh so hard because I've never. It's a cartoon move, but they did it live action where he grabs the guy's inside of his mouth and pulls him closer. I was like, oh my god. It's so or later weird. on when he tells the same subordinate, pin yourself against the wall. The guy grabs <laughs> his own grabs shirt his and pushes himself against the wall. Yeah, it's so good. Like, what? Oh, it's so good. You need someone as over the top as Jim Carrey to sell that because if that was downplayed even a little bit, if that role was at yeah. a 10 instead of being cranked up to 11, yeah. you'd go, well, this is stupid. Yeah. But he's so far beyond normal that you go, okay, sure. Why not? Yeah, it works. I agree. It, it he really makes it does. work. He makes it work. It, it works. And when they first said that he was going to play Robotnik, and again, I'm not a massive Sonic fan, but I've played a few of the games, and right. I'm thinking purely on a visual level, going, "Well, he looks nothing like Robotnik's. Mm. Robotnik to me doesn't have yeah, Robotnik's fat. Well, and he doesn't have that much personality to draw off of from the games, other than I want to turn everyone yes. into robots." Jim Carrey looks nothing like him. And I'm thinking, okay, he's just going to take over the performance, but he does it and it works. And the slow progression of having him start to look more and more like Robotnik putting on the flight suit when he's going to have yeah. that final confrontation. Oh my God. The explosion that sends him. <laughs> but his explanation of the flight suit as well. The best is, oh, yeah. what are and you now wearing? He's shaved his head bald <laughs> and his mustache that was kind yeah. of evil is now just thoroughly insane. Like Robotnik's. And I even because that. he's got those egg drones following him everywhere, uh, Sonic, yeah. you know, making the joke of calling him Eggman. So now you have what he's called yeah. in Japan right now. You slowly have him turn into that character. This movie starts off with Sonic fully formed, but you get the origin of Dr. Robotnik across the entire yeah. movie, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's done good. Right? Yeah. It's done. It's done. And really then him well. lose 
just losing his mind to crazy puns at the end. What was the, he's got uh, Professor Stone was his assistant and now he's just got a rock that he's carved to look like his face at the end. <laughs> yeah. like, Come yeah. with me, Professor Stone. We'll do some <laughs> rock connaissance. Yeah, he throws <laughs> the rock. It's like, because he, And he he's just laughing maniacally at his own joke. At his own jokes. <laughs> that was making me laugh so hard only because... Like he picked the heaviest rock. <laughs> so, oh yeah, and he so, keeps shot putting it ten feet ahead of him. It's just like when it's he's going, like what a hundred feet in the air on these mushrooms. Yeah, Why? and I love it. I love that it's rock connoissance because when he first threw it, I thought he threw it off the mushroom oh, like down to the ground. Yeah. And I was like, oh okay. And then I saw how far it actually went, and I I was laughing because I was like, it didn't go anywhere because <laughs> you could see how far you could throw it because they show you him shot put it again and it goes like five feet <laughs> like it's so heavy it's so funny i love it but yeah i think he works really well right he almost gave uh the buys and tuesday line at mm. the end there with the whole he trapped on a planet oh uh, yeah no food no technology uh, you know probably trapped here for years or a lesser man would be trapped here for years i'll be home by christmas yeah i'll be yeah, home like by that. christmas that sounded like a blatant <laughs> sequel bait right there which oh, yeah. they've yeah. already confirmed it's getting yeah. one it comes out in like spring one. of 2022 yeah. Yeah. So it it did sound like a I'll be back like Skeletor jumping out of the lava at the end of He-Man's credits, which I'm all yes. for that. Bring back this thing and make another movie. Uh outside of that, yeah. only things that I took note of and the only real evolution of Sonic's character throughout it is halfway through he gets his iconic shoes from a little kid because his existing shoes get blown up during mm-hmm. the ridiculous APC fight the where it's chasing him and then it gets blown up and a smaller little vehicle comes out of that and it the, gets blown up the T-1000 and then a smaller, smaller like unicycle robot comes out of that it was like watching russian dolls with murder bots i you know what yeah. i actually it, it awesome. genuinely made me think of was like the terminator salvation movie oh okay like it's just it was like a, a t-1000 apc it just kept turning into what it needed to turn into to keep coming after them and i was like Wow, yeah. that the fact that he has that technology makes me understand why he probably doesn't face a lot of challenges. Like if they send him to take a guy out, he just needs to send that one thing ever. And yeah, against mm-hmm. something that's not superhumanly fast, he would win. <laughs> and it shows why he gets so unhinged when he keeps losing because he's not <laughs> yes. right. like Robotics not accustomed to losing this version <laughs> of him. So even just when James Marsden, I keep saying it because I can't. Tom is his character's Tom. name. That's what it is. Tom. He goes, oh, but my dentist calls me Tim, but I, I can't yeah. correct him because it's been so long to be that, awkward, which is one of his best jokes. That is one of his best jokes. Oh like, God. his delivery of that is fantastic. Yeah. But when Tom, the cop, punches out Robotnik, that's one of the first times he's ever taken a punch in years, and he gets so irrationally worked up against these two as adversaries that you can believe why this, again, psychological tire fire becomes so dogged and terrifying in his pursuit of them. You don't really need a greater reason like the whole, oh, I can use Sonic to power my machines. That's a convenience so that he can chase after Sonic at the end. Mm-hmm. He's not looking for him for power. He just hates the two of them. That's yeah. all it is. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's pretty he's, simple motivation. He's thoroughly he's going after them as hard as he can. <laughs> and then he finds yeah. an even an even greater motivation. He, he was already into taking them down. <laughs> and even then he seems more interested in just killing Sonic than in the fact of, Oh, I can use his body for technology. It's just, mm-hmm. no, no, that's a side benefit. I mainly just want to murder him. 
Yeah. Yeah. Pretty 100%. straightforward villain, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But it works. It did actually the work. The only other thing that I don't understand, and again, I'm going to chalk it up to lazy writing, the sister-in-law. Why does she hate James Marston's character so much? <laughs> I don't know, but I got to admit that was also the hardest I laughed after they tied her up. <laughs> I just, it's just the, how mad she is. Cause it's her house. <laughs> oh yeah. It's just the, <laughs> like her yelling, it's my house. Like I'm tied up in my own house. My own kid is helping them. Like, it's just, that was making me laugh just so hard. Oh yeah. But I don't understand it. Like they, they never clarify. No. I assume yeah. we just swap out an angry mother-in-law for an angry sister-in-law. Yeah. They, yeah. they never need, and they feel no need to explain it. Nope. Yeah. Again. Is there anything we'll we missed know. really quick before we wrap things up? The end credit scene or. Oh yeah. They, again, they, the end credits, they do similar to some of the other ones we've seen where they kind of redo the entire film as a, a recap, love but it. do it in 16 bit graphics, yeah, love which that. I enjoyed. Yeah, really with some that. sort of sonic rap happening in the background, which I enjoyed maybe a little bit less. And then the reveal of Tails. And then Tails, yes, which yeah. he moves good. pretty fast too. So yeah. is Sonic faster than him? It's hard to tell. Well, in the game, I think he was always right there with him. So, so I, okay. I guess he's up. equally fast, yeah, at which point, up. why was Sonic being chased? Up. But these are questions that I'm sure they won't answer in the sequel. No. <laughs> Because you know Either what? Way, the story needs to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I recommend it. It's fun. Right? I do it's I lighthearted. Agree. It's fun. It's a good kid's film. It's one of the films we've watch watched again. where Rotten Tomatoes yeah. ranks it as solid. It's like yeah. in its mid-60s, and the audience mm. scores in the 90s. And like to mm. me, it's a solid, like, no, solid. kind of film. It's good stuff. Totally solid. I've already seen it twice, and I'll see it again. Yeah. Same. I Same. think for me, it's like third on, third on the list of the ones we've seen, but I would definitely recommend Fair. it. We will call it for this one. When we come back, we will watch one that nobody's seen yet, Street Fighter Assassin's Fist. Everyone complained <laughs> that Street Fighter was too many characters. This one is just a couple of them solid as one story. <laughs> I have been Nick Moore. With me were Wayne Brissett and Mark Athanis. And thank you for listening to us on Press X Reload. Gentlemen. My dentist calls me Wayne. <laughs> My dentist also calls me Wayne. We'll talk to you <laughs> next time. <laughs>